Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. There's going to be a revised Roman Empire. And that's what those who study prophecy believe that Rome is going to rise again. Now, it can be literally ten kingdoms, or it could be figuratively meaning a conglomeration. It can be interpreted perhaps either one of those ways, but there's one horn, and those horns refer to kings and kingdoms. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. The book of Daniel is maybe the most important book besides the book of Revelation to speak on end time prophecy. In chapter 7, Daniel has a dream of four beasts a lion, a bear, and a leopard, and a fourth beast more violent and terrible than the previous beasts. In today's message, Pastor Ed explains the meaning behind Daniel's dream. We can conclude from the dream's interpretation that the Lord God knows the future. There is nothing that surprises Him, and He has everything under control. Now here's Pastor Ed with part one of today's message entitled, Our God Reigns. This chapter of the book of Daniel is a turning point. From chapters 1 through 6 is Daniel's journey, his experience. He's interpreting the dreams and the visions of others. But now in chapter 7, he's no longer going chronologically. He goes back to an earlier time and he compiles out of his journal, out of his experiences, visions that God gave him about the future. The events that happen in chapter 7 happen really before chapter 5. It happened when Daniel was in his 60s. Remember, he was just a teenager when he was taken captive to Babylon. And He lived into his 80s, we know it, at least to his 80s. And so earlier than chapter 6, earlier than chapter 5, at the beginning of the reign of Belshazzar, he has this vision that God gives him of four beasts coming out of the sea. And these four beasts represent four different kingdoms. It's the last one is especially different to him, and and we'll talk about that in just a few moments. It, It represented the kingdom on earth that would be the last kingdom before Christ returns to this world. Uh, You see in these chapters, and in this particular chapter, you're introduced to Antichrist. Someone who is going to be opposed to Christ. Someone who will come in the very last days before the return of Christ. And is going to culminate the rebellion against God. And you see in this chapter, 
the return of Jesus Christ at the very end of the ages. Daniel's vision took place as he was in the presence of God and God showed him things to come. First of all, I want you to see in verses 1 through 8, the vision of the prophetic earthly kingdoms. Now, that's not including every kingdom that ever exists. He's just choosing four kingdoms. Now, these kingdoms correspond to chapter 2. Remember Nebuchadnezzar had this vision of a large statue, and he was troubled by it, and Daniel had the interpretation? Well, God gave even further information about those four kingdoms to Daniel in a personal vision that he had. But they correspond to Daniel's vision, in, uh, to Nebuchadnezzar's vision. In Nebuchadnezzar's vision, he had this vision of a, a head of gold, a chest of arms and silver in the statue, a belly of thighs, uh, belly and thighs of bronze, and then legs of iron, and then feet of clay and iron mixed together. In verses 2 to 3, Daniel said, In my vision at night, I looked there before me. There were four winds of heaven churning up the great sea. That's the idea of humanity. Stirred from the earth in chaos, in confusion, in rebellion, are nations that are going to rise up that are beast-like. The idea is that there's cruelty, there's injustice, there's wrong. God knows it all. We are sometimes surprised by nations that rise up and fight with God and fight with God's people. But God knew it all before it ever happened. Unless we recognize that God is the author of history behind history and knows everything, we could suddenly be taken back by the events that transpire. And it's only by revelation do we know that God is in control. Because if you're simply sitting and watching the events of time and history pass by, it seems like it's one chaotic mess after another after another. But God is in control. In this text, it says, four grace beasts, each different from the others. They had different characteristics, these different kingdoms. But in the fourth kingdom, you'll notice this, because in Revelation 13, John the Revelator has this vision that corresponds to what's happening in Daniel chapter 7, And John the Revelator sees that the last kingdom is going to have characteristics of the kingdom before it. And so, in verse 3, it says, Four great beasts, each different from the others, came up out of the sea. We note, the first was like a lion. It had wings of an eagle. Do you know that in Babylon they had lions with the wings of eagles? So a reader in Daniel's time would have known right away this is referring to Babylon. 
It wouldn't have been a puzzle to them. What is he talking about? This lion with wings. No, no, that was just like the eagle is a sign for America. We think of the eagle. We, uh, what does the bear remind us of? The bear is a symbol of what nation? Yeah, I mean, so as you think about back even at the time of Daniel, these animals symbolize, these beasts symbolize nations. So you could see uh, the second kingdom, which corresponds to the chest and arms of silver, that's Medo-Persia. Second beast, which looked like a bear, it was raised up on one side and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. Now, that shows you that Persia was stronger than Medo was. Uh, so the Medo-Persian Empire, the Persian part of that kingdom was stronger and has those three ribs. It's referring to three nations that it conquered with great ease, large nations. Uh, one of them being Egypt, other being Babylon, and there's another one that just... so so. Daniel is having this vision of what's going to happen in the future. And then there's another kingdom that he sees. It's a kingdom that looks like a leopard. And this leopard has wings. Now, leopards are real quick, fast, right? Now, put wings on it, it's really fast. That's a picture of Alexander the Great, who goes and he conquers at a young age, all the different surrounding kingdoms. And uh, when he dies, there's four generals that take over his empire. And the Bible is describing, is going to describe his reign. And again, you see the beast had four heads, this idea. And it given, was given authority to rule. When Alexander died, the great died at a young age of 32 or so. His generals took over. And then there's another vision that he has. He said, this beast, in verse 7, is terrifying and frightening, very powerful, large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured its victims, trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from the former beast. It had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little horn, which came up among them. And three of the first horns were uprooted by it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a man and mouth that spoke boastfully. Remember it says the beast is different. And I believe its difference is in reference to a number of things. One, there's going to be a revised Roman Empire. And that's what those who study prophecy believe that Rome is going to rise again. Now it can be literally ten kingdoms or it could be figuratively meaning a conglomeration it can be interpreted perhaps either one of those ways but there's one horn and those horns refer to kings and kingdoms one of the kings is going to come up and he's going to be small at first but then he's going to uproot three other kings or kingdoms and he's going to rule now this is a picture of the Antichrist. Again, I want to make this point, and I want you to remember it. If you're looking on the outside at history, you can't understand it. Things don't make sense. Daniel 
understood because God gave him revelation. And it's when God helps us to understand the events that unfold through history, we begin to make sense. This is what God is doing. I see it. See, God's in control. He knows the kingdoms are going to come. He knows that they are beast-like, trampling on people, bringing such hurt and harm and injustice. He recognizes that the world we live in is going to be a place of cruelty and injustice and wrongs. It's a fallen world. And it's until, until Jesus Christ returns and the government's placed on his shoulders, that's when we will experience what God intended us to experience, peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. And so we look forward to that day. Now, looking at the second point, and if you look at the text, again, the second point is verses 9 to 14. Verses 9 to 14. In those verses, he has a vision of the everlasting kingdom. In verses 13 to 14, we're going to read, In my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him, His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. One of the truths of prophecy is that with time, we understand it more. For example, if you look in Genesis chapter 1, the promise given to Eve was the seed, her seed, would bruise the head of the serpent. Well, what did that mean? Well, she realized that somehow one of her children would defeat Satan who had defeated them, but she didn't fully understand it. But with time, we have more and more insight into God's plan. And so here in the book of Daniel, you have this picture of the Son of Man riding on the clouds. Now, back then, that would have conveyed the idea of man and deity, Because deity riding on the clouds is, someone coming on the clouds is this idea of a God. Here in the text, he's called the Son of Man. Go back with me to the last night of Jesus. He's brought before the religious leaders. They ask him, are you the Christ? Are you the Messiah? Tell us plainly. Listen to his declarative statement. He reaches back into the Old Testament to the prophecy that Daniel has. And he quotes Daniel in Mark 14 verses 61 to 62. The New Living Translation reads, Jesus was silent and made no reply. Then the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, 
I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated in the place of power, coming at the right hand, coming on the clouds of heaven. They were outraged at that statement. What Jesus was saying is he is the one that Daniel saw in the Old Testament hundreds of years before it ever happened. And remember in chapter 9, at the end of chapter 9, he has this insight that the anointed one would die for the sins of the people. He has this insight into what we call the times of the Gentiles. So here Jesus is declaring he is the son of man. Now, 80 times, over 80 times in the gospel, Jesus is called the son of man. That was his favorite name for himself because he was defining who he was by that terminology. Uh, Jewish people had the idea of Messiah was maybe an earthly king, maybe another Caesar, someone to overthrow Rome. Uh, But no, no, no. Jesus is not going to take their definitions and their cultural ideas of who Messiah is. No, he's going back into the Old Testament. He's going back to the book of Daniel. He's saying that the one that Daniel saw coming riding in the clouds is, he is the one. And so Jesus is the Son of Man. In Matthew 24, 30, it reads this. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. Jesus Christ came the first time as the Lamb of God to die on the cross for our sins. That's what this communion table memorializes. But it also tells us that he's going to take of the cup with us one day because he's going to return. He is fully God and fully man. We don't understand it. Daniel didn't understand it, but we had a greater revelation of what it meant when Jesus came and walked the face of the earth and rose from the dead. Then this everlasting kingdom, you see the ancient of days in verse 9. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the ancient of days took his seat. That's a referring to God the Father. His clothing was white as snow, speaks of purity. His hair, the hair of his head was white like wool. It's it's his, his perfect purity. His throne was flaming with fire. The idea of judgment. Someday, God is going to come back and judge this world. Now, it calls him the ancient of days. In other words... He was there when the very first murder was committed. He was there when every crime, when every act of cruelty, when every wrong was committed by every nation and any people. 
Some may be able to manipulate the court system if they have enough money. They could find the loopholes in the law. Some dictators and rulers could rule at their own whim and do their own desires and and violate God's eternal law. But there is a day of accountability coming when the Ancient of Days sits on his throne and he rules the world. Now, we as Christians, because we have accepted Christ as our Savior, we won't be judged whether we go to heaven or how, because we've been redeemed. But, but, there will be a judgment for us, a judgment of how we used our opportunities for God, how we lived our life for him. We call him Lord. Do we live as though he's Lord? All of us will be judged as how we used our talents and our gifts and how we have lived our lives. Again, it won't be a judgment sending us to hell, but it will be a judgment with rewards. Some are living their lives for this present world. They're living their lives not remembering that we're just passing through this world. We're just here for a moment. And they're building their sand castles in this world as if that is going to be eternal will be judged on how we live out our lives. The Ancient of Days will right every wrong. He will judge the nations of the world. So that's the everlasting kingdom. Now that's good news for us because in a sense, people don't get away with anything. They don't. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what's right. Then Daniel's thoughts go back outside the courtroom after the Ancient of Days is judging and he can't get that fourth beast out of his mind. And so the text says in verses 19 and 23, God's going to talk to him about that final kingdom, that fourth beast. Then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast. Now here he is, he's having this vision, this encounter with God, and he's not fully understanding things, and how do we expect to fully understand everything? In the end of Daniel, it says these things were written, sealed up. There's some things we understand, some things we don't. But what we do understand should motivate us to live for eternity rather than just the moment. It says, then I wanted to know the true meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all others and most terrifying, with his iron teeth, bronze claws, a beast that crushed and devoured its victims, trampled underfoot whatever was left. That sounds like the, very much the Roman Empire. He gave me this explanation. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom. And again, Bible scholars are thinking of it as the revised Roman Empire. The fourth beast is a fourth kingdom 
that will appear on earth. It will be different from all other kingdoms. And I think again, in part, that's referring to its coming back to life, its cruelty as well, its power and its extensive rule from all other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth, trampling it down and crushing it. Now, in this, it describes it as ten horns which refer to kingdoms and kings. The book of Daniel has some of the most loved stories in the whole of the Bible. We all remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den, a wonderful story of God's deliverance. Each day here on Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue teaching through the book of Daniel. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now, we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. There you can find today's message. The only thing you need to remember is today's date. Again, to stay current with what's being broadcasted here on Building in Faith and to access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. Or if you'd like, you can always give us a call. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. We invite you to join us again for the next edition of Building in Faith. On behalf of Pastor Ed, Faith Assembly, and the entire production team, we want to say thank you for joining us and come back next time for another edition of Building in Faith. Your word restored.